Winter Park. How's everybody doing right now? We're doing all right. Come on. Hey, we, uh, we obviously have something a little bit different today that I'm going to get to here in just a minute. I'm going to be your host today, not necessarily the person that's delivering the message. And so I want to talk a little bit about that in just, in just a moment. Uh, and so I want to uh, talk. We do this once probably a year. We call it three in 30. And here's kind of what that means. The, the average sermon here at Action Church is about 30 minutes in length. And so what we've done is we've kind of looked in-house to some of our staff members who are sitting right here behind me, and uh, we've given them 10 minutes each. So, so three 10-minute slivers equals... There it is. Yeah, okay, all right. I just want to make sure we're on the same page this morning. And so we're going to hear from three different communicators, and it's just really going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, and listen, if t this service is anything like the 9 a.m. service, it's going to be a powerful day uh, of just hearing from some uh, really dynamic young communicators. And so I want to just say this. These are people on our staff that have uh, shared in other environments, but this is their first Sunday uh, opportunity. And so we're going to, yes, thank you, thank you. You guys beat me to it. See, I, I had to work 9 a.m. a little bit to let them know, hey, listen, have a little bit of grace on them, laugh a little too hard at their jokes, right? Let's just go ahead and give them a little bit of, of grace and kind of meet them where they're at. But I want to go ahead and set up who we have today. Uh, and the first chair is Logan. Logan is our... Logan is our student coordinator here at Winter Park, and so my, my son knows Logan very well uh, because he is in Action Students right now, and so we'll be hearing from him, and then we're going to be hearing from Crystal. <laughs> Crystal is a ton of, of fun, and I can't wait for us to experience her message today, but listen, Crystal is actually a, uh, a graphic designer for us, but she's also, uh, we didn't know what we were getting when we hired Crystal, honestly. We thought we were just uh, hiring a graphic arts designer. She's going to share more about that, but she's so much more than that. She's got a lot of sneaky hidden talents that she's going to be letting us in on, and so she's also on our sermon team here at, uh, at the church, and so really excited for that. Last but not least, we've got Luke. We've got Luke. And you can see Luke has a very thick Bible, so you know he's not messing around today. And so Luke is going to bring, bring the hammer, and so it's going to be great. And so we're very, very excited to, again, hear from each of them. Ten minutes are going to be on the clock. So church, let's lean in and let's hear 3 and 30. Let's give it up for Logan Porter. Good morning, good morning. How are we doing today, everybody? Good, good. We're listening to PT already. That's good. That's good. Well, my name is Logan, and like he said, I serve as the students coordinator here at our Winter Park location, and that just basically means that it is my job to have Nerf Wars, Glow Parties, Fortnite small groups, like the whole thing. Like, I'm pretty sure it's in my job description that I have to get pied in the face at least once a month. Like, that's just, it comes with the territory, and I love it. But another thing about me is I am the oldest of three siblings. There's me, and then I have my younger brother, Jordan. We are two years apart. Um, Jordan is my best friend. We actually live together now. He's like the funniest person I know. And then there's my youngest brother, Dalton, who him and I are 10 years apart, and I'll kind of let you use your imagination of what exactly happened there. But uh, Dalton and I, we are the same exact person. Like literally, he is my mini-me, he is my clone, like, same personality, we talk the same, walk the same, same jokes. Yes, I came up with them first, but same jokes nonetheless. And when, when you are the same version of me, while that comes with many, 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 many plus sides, there are some cons that come 
with being just like me. And one of those uh, traits that Dalton and I share together is that we are all about like life with the party, in the moment, adventure. And we sometimes forget some of the common sense things and like the, the, we have some laughs in judgment and like forget like safety regulations, right? Like, like and so recently, recently uh, Dalton, and, like the whole family was hanging out and my cousins, they're currently um, like dog sitting, but for a golf cart. And like, like it's like a super nice golf cart for some reason. It's like, goes way faster than it should. Like Bluetooth speakers, super sleek. And so they're watching their friend's golf cart right now. And naturally Dalton's like, I'm about that. Like, like I'm want on that. So my cousins are fast and furious, Tokyo drifting this thing around the neighborhood. And Dalton is like, um, no seatbelt for me. Like, like he, he's hanging out the sides. He is living his best life, absolutely loving this. And so naturally, as they're fast and furious, Tokyo drifting through like a retirement neighborhood, they, they naturally make a turn and he falls out and he, and he yeah, and he, uh, he stumbles, he rolls, and he's got like a big like road burn on his back. His arm's feeling a little funky, but thankfully, Thankfully, my great aunt, who is a retired nurse, was there, and she was able to check him out, like, like uh, bandage his wounds and check it. There's no, like, th- th- there's no bone poking out. His arm isn't contorted, so all things are good there. It's just, he, he's good to go. He's set. And, and, like, Dalton knew that he, he messed up. Like, when you fall out of a golf cart, you realize in that moment, when all the pain is hitting you, all the emotions hitting you, yeah, maybe next time I'll wear a seatbelt, right? Like, like he realized, yeah, I screwed up. And so, um, but he's going about the rest of his week just waiting for the soreness in his arm to kind of die down. Like, he, my dad and him are doing these stretches to kind of fix his range of motion. And But trust me, he is milking this thing, too. Like, oh, I cannot mow the lawn, guys. My, the arm, you know, you get it. Like, oh, I can't make my own lunch today the arm. So like he, he is absolutely loving this thing. And, um, but like, he's literally at student night shooting basketball like this, like, like he just looks like an idiot, but, um, but he is, he is adjusting to life now with this, this hurt arm. Like he's just going about it. And, and, but a week goes by and my mom being a good mom is like, you have not had any progress in this arm. Maybe we should go check it out. And so they go to the doctor and we find out his arm is literally broken this entire time. Like all the way through, clean cut break. Like he's literally shooting basketball, doing these arm stretches, like with a broken arm the entire time, right? And like, so he's literally been going through his week, going through his life, just adjusting to life with a literal broken arm. Like ignoring all of the signs that, hey, something is not right, something is wrong, and I think if we're being honest with ourselves, that is kind of what our relationship with sin is like. That that we when we first do it, we know something is wrong. That what we did, something did not go according to plan. We know that it wasn't the best idea, but we ignore the signs of pain, we ignore the signals, and we continue to adjust to life with a sinful habit, with a sinful lifestyle. And I know that to be true because that's, that's what happened in my own life. That, that, that for years I was addicted and I was, I was looking at things that I probably shouldn't have been looking at. And, and the first time I did it, oh my gosh. 
like I have messed up, I should not have done that. All of the feelings came in, the, 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 the pain, the, the voices of the Holy Spirit, the convictions, but I ignored them and I adjusted to life with a broken arm. I adjusted to life with a, a sinful habit and that left me broken, it left me empty, depressed at times. Like I wasn't fulfilled with myself because I was trying to adjust to a life that wasn't intended for me. I don't know about you, but life, you're not supposed to go about life with a broken arm. Life with a broken arm kind of sucks. And it's the same thing with sin. We see this in the Bible in Psalm 137, the, the psalmist that's writing this, he's currently in captivity in the nation of Babylon, and, and he is a musician. That is his thing. He plays an instrument called a lyre. Now, don't ask me what a lyre is. I could not tell you other than the fact that it is an instrument, and this is what it says, starting in verse one. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our, and our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now you may be hearing that and say, Logan, what the crap does that mean? And have anything to do with what you just said? I do not understand. But basically, in the Bible, Babylonian captivity it's a metaphor for sin, because sin is slavery. Sin is captivity. It may feel good in the moment, but what it actually is, is slavery. And basically what this is saying is, I cannot play my instrument. I cannot do what I was created to do when I'm in captivity, when I'm in sin, when I'm in this foreign land. And I know from my own experience, that's exactly how it felt. When I look back at that time of my life, it was captivity. Yeah, the, 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 the world is out here saying, oh, do, do what feels good, do what is pleasurable in the moment, and we ignore the signs of pain because it feels good, but that's captivity. That, that's not how God intended this life. And it wasn't until I acknowledged that I had a broken arm. It wasn't until I acknowledged that I had a sinful habit, that something was not right. And that's when the healing journey was able to start. And can I just say that I stand here before you today healed. I stand here before you now, like in my, yeah, amen. I stand here before you now in my calling fulfilled because I stopped ignoring the signs of pain stepped out of captivity, stepped in to the freedom that Jesus has offered us, and I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer in captivity. And so maybe that's, that's you in here today. I, I don't know what it is for you. For me, like I said, it was that addiction. But maybe, maybe it's been a year, a couple months, decades, and the first time that it happened, you knew you messed up. I should not have done that. 
but because it felt good in the moment, but because it brings temporary pleasure, we ignore those signs and we continue to adapt to life with a sinful habit. And let me just tell you from someone on the other side of it, when you acknowledge the sin, when you repent, just turn away from your sin and start to take the healing journey, it's so much better. It's so much better. So I just wanna challenge you. If that's you in here today, acknowledge that you have been ignoring the signs of pain and begin your healing journey. Thank you. Logan. Yeah, give it up for Logan. Hey, uh, Logan, I, I, just wanna, I just wanna say in front of the church, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear you acknowledge that sometimes you disregard safety protocols uh, as, somebody, as somebody who feels like the old man on a consistent basis with you. Uh, listen, admitting it is the first step, and so uh, that's great. That's what makes you a really great uh, student pastor, though, so I'm really grateful for you and the role you play in my son's life specifically, so thank you for that. Hey, next up. Next up, we have our second communicator. And listen, I know there was an ad campaign back a couple years ago about the most interesting man in the world. I think that Crystal is the most interesting woman in the world. And so put your hands together for Crystal. Now that's an introduction right there. Hi, everybody. I feel like he's done a really good job preparing you all for the craziness that all fits inside my brain all at the same time. Um, hi, so I'm Crystal. I've been on staff for almost three years now, which is very exciting for me as our graphic designer, as he mentioned earlier. And I remember when I, about 20 years ago, was in Bible college, I was pursuing a double major in Bible and graphic design. And I got some weird faces, y'all, from people I'd come home on the weekends and they're like, what is the goal with that combination? Are you trying to change the font of the Bible? Like, we can make that happen without a degree. It's crazy. But I hope they're all enjoying their degrees in underwater basket weaving because here I am. Look at me, standing in front of a design <laughs> that I made. About to open God's word with you all today, so it's a very exciting day for me here. And I gotta say, happy Independence Day to us all. Happy July 4th weekend, week, whatever we call it, yeah? So growing up in the 80s, I remember a very specific song that would come on the radio this time of year consistently. God bless the USA. Anybody remember that song? It's a bop. Yeah, it's really, it's fun. It gets stuck in your head. It's like this season's uh, Mariah Carey song, the like, all I want for Christmas is you. It's that. Um, there's a line in that song where he says, I won't forget the men who died who gave that right or that freedom to me. And as a child, I really resonated with that for whatever reason. And I remember specifically feeling really emotionally attached to that because I thought that line was referring to the disciples. Yeah, tell me you grew up a church kid without telling me you grew up a church kid. The whole nation is like thanking the troops for their service and I'm like, what up Peter and John? I love those guys. Thank you for your service to our nation which you've never been to, so that's exciting. Um, it was a wild time in my brain as a child, um, but that line still, I won't forget. We do forget, don't we? All the time. Little things, big things, everything in between. If you're like me, I forget things all the time. Have you had that thing happen to you yet where you're in one room and you're like, ooh, I gotta go get that thing. You go to that room, 
And what happens, you're like, what was that thing? <laughs> what am I doing? How did I get here? Like, <laughs> your brain just completely shuts down. Well, I know I'm not alone in that, and I know it's not because I feel like I'm getting older. It's a lot of us. It's actually a studied scientific phenomenon known as the doorway effect. I know. I'm wearing glasses, and I'm very intelligent. So <laughs> buckle up. Here we go. So the doorway effect is a scientific study in how our brains compartmentalize information. There's only so much space in this noggin, right? So it's got to kind of figure that out. So when our brains see us walk through a physical doorway, it knows, oh, we're leaving one situation. We're going into a new one. We need to make space for new information. So unless you are intentionally holding on to that thought that you just had, you are far more likely to lose that thought when you walk through a doorway. Kind of crazy, right? Our brains are just so rude to us. But also we need them. That's important. Um, this doorway effect reminded me of a moment in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me set the scene here so you know where we are. Um, so the Israelites, God's people, were enslaved to the ancient Egyptians for a very long time. And God sends Moses to help free the people from slavery. They spend 40 years in the wilderness kind of getting Egypt off of them, right, so that they can go into the promised land. But before they can go into the promised land, God gives them what we call the Ten Commandments. And it's not so that the time in the promised land will be really lame and sad and have all these rules. But in God's own words, it's so that they might enjoy a long life. So this is where we're picking up there in Deuteronomy 6, right after he's given these commands. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It always has to start in a personal place, doesn't it? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So like all the time, cool, cool. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Whatever you do, remember me. Bind them on your foreheads. Whatever you're thinking, think of me. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How interesting that God would call out the place where our brains naturally wanna do a reset. He would say, remember me there. Now, if you've ever had, uh, maybe you've visited the house of a Jewish friend, or if you've watched The Chosen, you may have noticed they have these little boxes that are attached to their door frames. It's called a mezuzah. What a fun word, right? So it's called a mezuzah, and that's taking this scripture incredibly literally. There's a piece of parchment that's rolled up in a scroll that has these laws written on it, and they'll attach it to their door frame. So anytime they go to leave their home, they might take a moment to just acknowledge God's word before they go anywhere. How beautiful is that as a reminder? But I do have to wonder if God called out door frames in Deuteronomy for a different reason. If you remember a little earlier in this story, we were just talking about the ancient Egyptians, right? There was a moment uh, with door frames when they were seeking their freedom, if you remember the Passover story. Now, in ancient Egypt, ancient Egyptians held this belief that if your name was forgotten here on earth, that you would be forgotten in eternity. So they made sure that everyone, whatever home you lived in, the door frame would be made of stone so that everyone had access to a place to carve their name 
into it so that they felt like this will keep me remembered. I will be remembered in eternity. So on that first Passover night, when God says, are you in with me? Do you want freedom? Let's go. He says, paint the blood of a spotless lamb over your door frame. They would have had to physically paint this blood over names. What a reminder that eternity does not sit in our own name. Eternity rests in the name of the one who sacrificed for us. So yet another reminder. And then Jesus, hundreds of years later, when he's celebrating the Passover feast, this exact moment, with his disciples, and he holds up a glass of wine and says, this is my blood given for you, my sacrifice for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That word remembrance just keeps coming up, doesn't it? Now, in the English, that word remember, for me at least, is more like a chaotic search in these unorganized files in my brain, trying desperately to find the thing I forgot. But in Hebrew, the word for remember is zakar. And zakar means to recall something in such a way that it causes you to have to do something about what you've remembered. We see this throughout scripture. When people are in the most desperate times of their life and they call out to God, and what do they say? They say, God, remember me. They're not saying, God, did you forget that I existed, that you created me? No, they're saying, God, look at what's happening in my life. Could you do something to fix that? So when God himself calls out to us in scripture and he says, remember me, he's not saying, do you remember that I exist? No, he's saying, what are you doing about it? Are you taking me through every doorframe that you're invited through? Because my fear for myself as a forgetful person and for many of us here today is that we can let the doorway effect really get into our faith life, can't we? We can forget to intentionally hold on to God's word as we walk through every doorframe. What that does is compartmentalizes where and when we want the God of the universe to have a connection with us, to have an encounter with us. H.G. Wells uh, one time said, if there is no God, nothing matters. But if there is a God, nothing else matters. Why would we walk through any doorframe of this life assuming anything is more important than him? If we believe that this world is here not by crazy random happenstance, but that a God does exist, then certainly that same blood that covers our names in eternity can cover that drama at work, can cover the frustrations that you've been carrying for years, can cover that argument that you've been having with your family forever. We've got to carry him with us. Yes, we can memorize scripture. We can read the word of God. We can pray. We can come here and worship songs like we did today, worshiping together and saying things like, I've got a lion inside of these lungs. But then if you walk out that doorframe and you leave that lion in here, what's going to change? We've got to carry him everywhere we go. Have you forgotten him? Because he has not forgotten you. My prayer for us today is that we would write his word on our hearts and on the door frames of our lives so that wherever we go, that we will never forget him, but that we would always, always remember him. Thank you. Come on, give it up for Crystal. Hey, I told you she's very interesting. We went from like stand up to Old Testament, like uh, survey to 
uh, Lee Greenwald. I mean, it was a mixture of, of crazy stuff there. That's great. Powerful. Let's remember, right? Last but not least, we've got Luke and his big Bible. Give it up for Luke. All right, action, how we doing? Doing all right? Listen, uh, before we jump into what I think uh, we have for us today, I, I wanna have a participation moment. Um, has anybody ever been in a situation where you did not feel qualified to be there? Show of hands. Good, good, this makes it easier. I've got a lot of people who have been in my shoes. My wife and I, we just had our first baby. All right, listen. Yeah, y'all go ahead, pray for us. We, we just had her about a month ago. And I gotta tell you, I've never felt more not qualified in my entire life. We, we spent what felt like 10 years and 10 seconds at the hospital all at once. And it's, it's our time to leave. We're packing up all of our stuff and the nurse is like wheeling her out and I'm just walking, like, you know, 10 million thoughts in my head. We leave the door and they're like, all right, best of luck. And I'm like, okay. First time I'm directly responsible for keeping a human being alive. Never have been here before, so I'm taking this sweet little bundle of joy, and I mean, she's sweet, all right? And I'm putting her in her car seat, buckled in like this, because it's that small. Double checking, triple checking, okay, I'm rounding, I'm getting in the car, we got one of those baby cams, which is nice, and I got one eye on that, one eye on the road, and I'm like white knuckling this steering wheel. I'm going 25 under, took us five hours to get home. I just, I've never felt qualified to do this. I don't know what to do. It's been a month now. And so some of you have had this experience, your first baby, all right? And so the first several weeks, we'll just call it beautiful chaos, all right? Because that's what it is. And this past Monday, my wife gets invited to go to a birthday party. And she has, never, she has not left the baby at this point, right? So she's like, I don't know what to do. She's going back and forth. I'm like, babe, listen, I think this would be good for you. Why don't you go? The party was a street over from where we lived. I'm like, give it a good 30, 45. I got, daddy's got this, all right? I got this. So she goes, she reluctantly goes, leaves. And it was almost as if when the door shut right behind her, that feeling of, I don't know if I'm qualified, starts creeping back in. And I'm looking at this, I mean, this sweet, I'm just looking at her. And she's looking with her beady little eyes right back at me. And it was made apparent in that moment that I wasn't the only one who felt like I wasn't qualified. I actually, I took a picture of her face to show you guys. I mean, that is, she's like, bro, you better call mom, stat. I don't know what you got going on, but I'm happy to report that we made it. It was a good 30 minutes. Your boy, I mean, I feel better now, all right? We came out better than we did going in. But if I'm, if I'm being honest with you guys, when I got asked if I would share a message on a Sunday, there was parts of me that felt like, I don't know if I'm qualified, you know? And, and the Holy Spirit would be quick to remind me that I'm actually, I'm more than qualified. Because what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 plus years ago, like that counted for me. And so there's this tension, right? There's this tension between my perspective of how I view things and then God's perspective and how he views things. And which one am I gonna let lead me? Am I gonna go with the way I see it or am I gonna just trust that he knows best and walk boldly in that? And so I gotta, me and Sydney, we've been married three and a half years now. And so basically what that means is that I'm an expert in all things marriage. 
And she'll tell you, she's, she's here today. She's in the, fir- the first row. I want you all to ask her after service, every one of you. She'll love it. You should ask her, hey, is Luke an expert? And she'll be like, oh, totally. I mean, every single time we get in an argument, she'll tell you it's her fault, not mine. I'm telling you, it's true. All right, I'll just stop there. We could talk about it later, have healthy conversation. No, it's good. It's really good. But what I've learned in our short time being married is that if you're interested in unity, you've got to learn how to fight for the other person's perspective. And when I say fight, I mean fight against yourself. Fight against your own desire. Fight against your own opinion. Fight against your expectation of how the other person should act so that you can consider their perspective. And what's interesting is that in the Bible, God uses marriage to illustrate the relationship between Jesus and the church. And in the same way that a spouse has to learn how to fight their perspective to try and understand their spouses, I believe as believers, we have a responsibility to fight against ourselves to trust God's perspective. Fight against even how we think he should act to allow him to operate as he sees fit. And this thought, this thought originated from the book of Matthew in chapter 27. And this is right when they just nailed Jesus to the cross, right? They're about to raise the cross, stake it into the ground, and he's got a criminal on his right, criminal on his left, also getting crucified. Mobs of people just mocking him. And we pick it up in verse 35, and it says this. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. And here's where I wanna focus today. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. You see, you gotta know these people have been hearing about this Messiah for their entire life. They've been told that this Messiah was gonna come and he was gonna overthrow the Roman Empire. He was gonna initiate the kingdom of God and here they are walking by this guy who claims to be this Messiah dying at the hands of human beings. And it doesn't make sense in their perspective. They're like, well, if you are God, just come down off the cross. Like you're God, you literally have the ability to change anything. Just do one of those numbers. Change the situation because the way I'm looking at this You should act this way. In other words, they had an exact idea of how God should act in order for him to prove himself to them. And what's interesting about these people is that they're just passing by. Like they don't even stop. They don't consider that maybe their perspective isn't the way it's meant to go. They don't ask any questions. They have this firm idea of how God should act. And if he doesn't act that way, he must not be who he says he is. I'm moving on. And they go and they pass by the things that God is doing right in front of them. I gotta be honest with you, church. I resonate with the people passing by. Finding myself in certain seasons of life, like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you allow that to happen? I mean, you're God, look at my situation. If you care, you would just do one of these and change it. But I don't feel that. You're not acting the way I want. My life doesn't look the way that I think it should. 
I'm not married, but they are. I'm not healed, but they are. Like, what? why aren't you doing it the way I think you should do it? And just like the people passing by, my perspective, your perspective, their perspective, they're limited. Limited to the moment. Whereas God is able to take all of eternity into account. Like before, during, and after, past, present, and future, every single person in this room Every single person who's ever lived forever, every angle of every circumstance and situation, forever, all time, always. And that fact alone always gives him the best possible perspective. And instead of listening to the people passing by, God, knowing everything, knew that the best thing for all of eternity, all of humanity, even for the people, was to not listen to them. Rather, it was to stay on, I don't know if y'all have read the story, but he doesn't come down. He stays on the cross. He dies, he resurrects, he ascends into heaven. And so then his Holy Spirit is made available to everybody. And so 2,000 years later, a guy like me who doesn't feel qualified is more than qualified because of nothing that I've done, but all because of what he did. And I'm just here to tell you today that that's true for you too. And a thought that I had when I was reading this was I wonder what the world would look like if he did listen to them. Like, where would I be? Where would you be? There's this verse in Isaiah that I think sums this up pretty well. It says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Friend, I'm here to tell you today that your perspective is valid, but it is limited. And I challenge you, wherever you're at in your life, to learn how to fight your perspective and trust God's. Fight yourself to trust him. Thank you. Come on, Luke. Hey, uh, Luke, I don't know if this is gonna make you feel better or worse about fatherhood, but my son at 13 gave me that same face last week. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if you ever figure it out, right? But hey, I hope today was a ton of, of fun. Uh, can we give it up for our communicators as they exit the platform today? Incredible, incredible. I, I love days like today, and it is, it is just a lot of fun watching new communicators step into that. But what's even more fun is watching uh, how, how God uses it to impact those of us that have gathered today. And every Sunday at Action Church, we take the last couple of minutes of every service just to make some space for the Holy Spirit to move. And for some of you, maybe it was Logan talking about the, the bondage or the captivity of sin. Maybe it was Crystal's message talking about remembering the sacrifice of, of Jesus so that you don't have to stay living in the bondage of sin. Or maybe it's Luke's message talking about having the right perspective, but one of those three messages spoke to you specifically. It's not just great, colorful language. It, it's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. And so I wanna take just a couple of minutes. I wanna lean into that because I really believe God is working on some of your hearts here in the room. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a couple of minutes, just to help eliminate some distractions to help us focus on, on just these next 90 seconds. See, for some of you today, you, you've been trying your best to change your life, but it's been falling short because you don't have a relationship with God. 
you have great intentions, your best efforts, but the Bible says all have sinned and fall short. We all fall short despite our best efforts to God's standard. But here's what I love about God. He knew that about you and he knew that about me and he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to, to live the life that you and I can't live, the perfect life, the sinless life. And he died the death on the cross that you and I deserved. But he didn't just stop with dying. He overcame death. He overcame the power of sin by resurrecting three days later. And through his resurrection, he gives you and I access, a way back to relationship with God. And if you're in here today and you've, you've never acknowledged that Jesus died for you, you've never surrendered your life to him, to start relationship with God, I wanna pray with you here in just a moment. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask some of you to just raise a hand as a sign of, of faith, a sign of surrender, a sign of acknowledging that right now God is speaking to you and right now you are fully aware that you need him. Because there's others of us here today that, that at some point in time in life, we've prayed a prayer, we've surrendered our life to God, we started a relationship with him, but life has just kind of come at us. And we've, we've drifted We've stepped away from that relationship, but today's the day we want to restart that relationship. So if you're in here this morning and right now, you know God is speaking directly to your heart and you need to start relationship with him or you need to restart relationship with him. I just want to ask you as a sign of faith and acknowledging that just to raise your hand as a sign of saying, God, today I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm starting relationship with you. Thank you, man. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Unbelievable. God is so good. And he's speaking to some of you right now. And I want to make some more space here. Anybody else that just needs to start relationship with God today? You can put your hand down. I want to pray a prayer right now that I want to ask you just right there from your seat to just kind of right under your breath, just repeat after me. The words of this prayer aren't important. It's the decision that you're making that's going to change everything. Just repeat after me. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for this moment a moment that I acknowledge that you're real, a moment that I acknowledge you love me, a moment that I acknowledge you've never given up on me. God, I realize today I've made some mistakes. God, I am a sinner in need of a savior and I can't fix myself. Jesus, you are my savior. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord, which means I give you control of my life. You are my savior, which means I need you to have relationship with God. Come into my life, forever make me different. I acknowledge today that I leave different because of this decision. Thank you, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate? Those hands that just went up, incredible, incredible moment.